Everybody doing good today? Three of you. Everybody else doing all right? Good. Okay. Just checking on you. Just checking on you. You know, summer's not officially over, because I guess it's going to be summer for a while, but once school starts back, yeah, summer's over. It's kind of, I'm married to a teacher, so summer is just when school's out. That's all we do. So, um, hey, we're going to be starting. I don't do this a lot. I don't like, I mean, I'm always wanting you to be here, but I don't always kind of like stamp the, this is really important stamp on it. And so I want to just do that for a second before we jump in today. Next Sunday, we're starting a three-week series called One Word. Everybody say one word. One word, and this is a really, really, really important series, and I want you to be here to hear this. Um, This series has to do with the future of our church. It has to do with the mission of our church. Uh, Over the last nine months, uh, our staff have been working together, praying and fasting and talking and meeting just about so many things about what we believe that God uh, is calling us to do as we really look forward, honestly, into like the next 35 years, but even just in the next three, five, 10 years. And it really comes down to one word, and you'll find out more about what that one word is next week. Um, But I really want you to be here. If you call River City home, I think it's very important that you be here at least next week, if not the next three. So everybody's got busy schedules and lots of stuff going on, and the the lake house is only going to be open a few more weeks, and I get that. But I'd really like to challenge you to, to be here for these next three weeks because it's very, very important to me. Okay, cool? All right, cool. Uh, we are going to talk today. Uh, we're going to talk about fasting. We're going to get there in a little bit. But before we get there, I want to talk to you about something that I like to call or that I call spiritual curiosity. It's not really a Bible phrase. Um, it's just something I wrote down one day as I was reading a story in Exodus. And I want to read that story to you. And today is going to be kind of different than if, if, you're, if you're familiar with the way that, that we kind of teach around here. Today's going to be a little bit different. Today is going to be just like an information dump. Like I'm just, I'm throwing so much stuff at you today, all right? So if you want to take some notes, you can do that. Some of the stuff will be up on the screen. Just a lot I want to transfer to you today. So it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be really messy. And we're just going to just rapid fire and see what happens when we get to the end, okay? So, so today's going to be kind of crazy, broken up into a couple different parts. And I want to start in Exodus chapter 3. If you've got a Bible, Exodus chapter 3, uh, starting with chapter 1. I'm sorry, chapter 3, starting with verse 1. Start with, you know, we just went back to two services. You know that because you're here at 1130. And like, I'm tired. Like, I got to get back in that two-service mode. So I may have a couple of uh, brain freezes today. So anyway, Exodus chapter 3, verse 1, here's what it says. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that... Though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Now, this is a very, very famous story about a very famous guy, Moses. Uh, Almost everybody has heard of the burning bush, Moses and the burning bush story. And, and obviously, just growing up in church, maybe like yourself, if, if, if you grew up in church, I've heard this story hundreds of times. And, but as I got a little older and I began to read the story for myself, you know, I'd always kind of heard it taught and, and, and thought myself that, that God spoke to Moses from a burning bush, which is 100% true. But I always, I never realized, I kind of missed the part that says 
that in verse 3 when it says, when the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't know if I, it makes sense to say it this way, but I guess in my head, I always thought Moses was walking through the desert and there was a burning bush and all of a sudden the bush was like, hey, Moses. And Moses was like, oh, there's a burning bush. And he walked over and saw it. I don't know why, but that's just kind of how I pictured it in my head. But that's not what the Bible says, right? The Bible says that there was a bush on fire, but it wasn't burning up. Moses sees it and decides, you know what? I'm going to go investigate that. And the Bible says when he decides to go and look, then God begins to speak to him. Which raises the question for me, like if God was waiting on Moses to come towards the bush before he spoke to him, it raises the question to me, which there's no answer, but I just, the way my mind works, the way I'm thinking is like, I wonder how many burning bushes there had been before this one. I wonder if there had been any other burning bushes than this one. I wonder if this was just the one that got Moses' attention. Maybe it was the first one. I have no idea. But if God was waiting on Moses to be curious enough to go and look, I wonder if there had been any other burning bushes before this one. Because see, I believe that God works that way in our lives too. That there are these burning bushes in our lives, things that, you know, make us itch. And if we'll scratch that itch, or if we'll be curious enough to investigate, to try, to have the faith to pursue, that as we do that, God will speak to us. I believe it with all my heart. There's a really important lesson here from this story of the burning bush. And here's the lesson. When I get curious, hungry, or desperate enough to move closer to where God is, he will speak to me. Let me say that again. When I get curious, hungry, or desperate enough to move closer to where God is, he will speak to me. Has it, have you ever found it curious or odd that like everybody's story of hearing God speak to them happens like out in the field after their, you know, life is about to end or in a hospital waiting room or on their deathbed? I don't believe that's a coincidence. I just believe maybe for the first time in their life, they were desperate to hear from God. And I believe when we get hungry, curious, or desperate enough to, to move closer to where God is, that God speaks to us. I believe with all my heart. That the biggest thing keeping you and me from hearing from God is our distance from him. And that if we would decide to move closer to the burning bush, as the metaphor here today, that, that when God sees that we're moving towards the burning bush, that he will begin to speak to us in that place. I love the way James 4.8 says it. Same principle. James 4.8 says, come close to God and God will come close to you. Old school, King James says, draw near or draw nigh or draw near to God, God will draw near to you. So, like the, it's this very simple equation. As I begin to move closer to God, to investigate, to see, to grow, whatever it is, as I begin to move closer, God begins to move closer to me. My daughters are learning how to swim. I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old, and Sadie knows how to swim. She just forgets every winter. I don't know if your kid does that, but like Sadie forgets how to swim every winter. And so as we start swimming again, she's got to get the courage up again. She's got to remember how to swim. And so that, you know, the last two or three summers, that's what's happened to us. And so she's all good now, jumping off diving boards and everything. But, but Nora has got that place where she's trying to learn. I told you about that last week. And, and both my kids, when they're kind of learning, and you know what I'm talking about, parents, 
they'll either be standing on the side or they'll be on the edge or they're on the board or whatever. They're either going to swim or jump. And they say, what do they say? Don't move, daddy. Don't move. Stay right there, daddy. Right? Stay right there. And so then they'll either jump or they'll start swimming towards and they're working. With all, and when they get close enough, they start reaching out. And as a parent, most of the time, what do we do? We kind of reach out. We kind of move in. And I think that's kind of a good picture of what God does for us. I'm not describing that God is some like mean God who's standing back like, well, I'm not going to move towards you unless you move towards me. God loves us. He wants a relationship with us. But I believe, and I've seen it in my life, and I've seen it in my friend's life, and I see it in biblical stories, that, that God, there are lots of times where God is waiting to see if we're curious enough to investigate. If we're curious enough to pray about it, curious enough to track, uh, you know, like track it down. And when we do that, when we decide, you know what, I want to go investigate, I want to close the distance, I want to get closer to God, then, then God begins to do something incredible in our lives. Here, here's another way we could say it. You are as close to God right now as you want to be. That's one way we could say it. It stings a little bit, but it's true. You are as close to God right now as you want to be. And you may say, well, no, it's not Jason. I mean, I would love to be closer to God. Well, all you got to do is get closer to God. He'll get closer to you. You're as close as you want to be. Here's another way we could say it. You have the quality of relationship with God that you want to have because you determine the distance. You determine the distance. You can either stay over here while the, bur- uh, the bush is burning over there, or you can say, you know what, I want to get closer. And the Bible says that as we get closer, God gets closer. I love the way Exodus 33, 11 describes it. This is, you know, I got some life verses. You hear me say this a lot, but this is one of my life verses. Exodus 33, 11 says, Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Wow, that's incredible. I, I, I so desperately want to know God in that way. That God would speak to me like he speaks to a friend. Because when I'm talking to a friend, it's just natural and it's no pressure. It's just a friend talking to a friend. Man, I would love that. I would love that. I read an incredible story recently about a woman named Elizabeth Dabney. Elizabeth and her husband moved to Philadelphia in 1925 to pastor a church in in downtown. And uh, the neighborhood was rough. The church wasn't having much success. And so Mother Dabney prayed and asked God to give her husband some type of spiritual victory or success, something to get the ball rolling, to feel like what they were doing was working. And as she prayed that prayer, she felt like, this is her words writing it, she felt like God told her, spoke to her to meet him at 7.30 the next morning at the, I'm going to pronounce this, the Schuylkill River. I've never been to Philadelphia, but the Schuylkill River. 7.30 the next morning. So she woke up the next morning. She goes down to the river, and as she got there, she said, describing what happened in her own words, she got there and she said, okay, God, I'm here. And she felt like that God said to her, this is the place that I'm going to answer the prayer that you prayed. And so as she was standing there at the river, she prayed back to God, and and I'm going to read this to you, but this is what she said that she prayed back to God that morning. She said, Lord, if you will bless my husband in the place that you sent him to establish your name, and if you will break the bonds and destroy the wall of partition, if you will give him a church and congregation, then I will walk with you for three years in prayer, both day and night. 
I will meet with you every morning at 9 a.m. sharp. You will never have to wait for me. I will stay there all day and devote my time to you. Furthermore, if you will listen to my prayer and break through in the wicked neighborhood, I will fast 72 hours each week for two years. On the days I'm fasting, I will not go home. I will sleep in the church. This was her writing down what she said she prayed to God. And Mother Dabney followed through on her promise to God. And God followed through on her promise, his promise to her. And God began to do incredible things in the life of her husband and their family and their church. And as I tell you that story, it doesn't surprise you that God would do incredible things, does it? Because I just told you that a woman said that she would wake up every day at 9 a.m. for the next three years and pray all day long. And that a woman just told God that she would fast three days out of the week. And when during those three days, she would stay at the church and not even go home. And, and the way she describes it, she had some friends and family members who cared about her and loved her and said, you got to eat something. You're not looking good. You're, like, like, and she wouldn't do it. She kept her promise to God. And when I tell you that somebody prayed every day, morning to night for three years, and when I tell you that somebody fasted three days a week and never went home and just stayed in the church... Nobody in here was like, man, I can't believe God did incredible things. Because we know that's how it works. It's not rocket science. I'm not giving you some kind of formula like we can manipulate God. I'm just telling you that everybody in this room, as I say that, knows that if you commit wholeheartedly to God in prayer and Bible reading and fasting, that God will do incredible things. We know that's true. Because James said it, that as we come close to God, God comes close to us. Well, today I want to talk about a burning bush. I want to talk about something that I hope will pique your curiosity and get you to investigate and move closer to God. I want us to talk specifically about fasting. Because I believe fasting is the secret weapon in a Christian's life. I believe fasting is our trick play, if you will. When we got to look in the playbook and we got to have that one play because the game's about over, I believe fasting is our, is our trick play. And so I'm going to give you a lot of information here in just a second. It's going to be kind of messy. I'm just going to dump a lot of stuff on you here. And I want you to take some notes or just, just trust in the Holy Spirit to hear what it is that you need to hear. But the end goal in all of this is that you would decide, you know what, I'm going to go investigate that burning bush I'm going to go get closer and see what God would say. So let's start with this. What is fasting? What is it? Well, fasting is giving up food for a predetermined purpose for a predetermined period of time. That's fasting. I'm going to give up food for a predetermined purpose for a predetermined period of time. Now, you can fast from a lot of different things. You could use the word fast. You could say, I'm fasting from the TV, or whatever, which is fine. And really what you're saying when you're using the word fast is you're saying I'm abstaining from, and that's fine. But historically and biblically, fasting is food. Fasting is food. You're saying I'm giving up food for a predetermined purpose for a predetermined period of time, okay? In a really simple form, what we're saying is, God, I want you more than I want food. That's what we're saying. And something supernatural happens when we fast, and an empty stomach changes our heart. An empty stomach changes our heart. In one way, we could say that fasting is like it grows your no muscle. Did you know you have a no muscle? 
It's that muscle in your life that allows you to say the word no. Look, can we just practice that and say no? Let me hear you say it. No, we don't. That's not a muscle we work out a lot. You know. And fasting says, I'm going to work that no muscle. And the more that you work that no muscle, the bigger that no muscle gets. Fasting does that for us. We just finished talking about the fruit of the Spirit. It's, it's like the fruit of the Spirit, self-control, that God's Spirit helps us and enables us to be able to have self-control. In other words, it grows that no muscle. And so you're able to say no to things that maybe at one time controlled you. And I'm not a medical doctor, and I'm not up here saying anything for any other reason, just saying it's a pretty safe bet to say we're all addicted to food. We all love food a lot, Right? And so we're saying, God, I want you more than I want food. I don't want anything to control me except you. And if you've never tried to go without food, you don't realize how much you love it and how much you want it until you, until you fast. Now, fasting is not a hunger strike. Fasting is not a diet or a weight loss plan. You will lose weight when you fast. Like, that's going to happen. So congratulations. But that's not why we do it. That's not why we do it. Matter of fact, I don't weigh myself when I fast because I think sometimes I can have, start having ulterior motives. Like, oh, man, look at me. I'm down seven pounds, you know, or whatever. That's not why you fast. Fasting's not a gimmick. It's not something we do to manipulate God. He's not a genie in a bottle, and when you fast, you get three wishes. It's not the way that it works. There are lots and lots of stories of people who prayed and fasted about things and miracles happened in their life, but it's, we're seeking the miracle worker, not the miracle, when we fast, okay? Why do we fast? Well, we fast because people in the Bible fasted. Uh, have you ever been like me? Have you, ever read, uh, have you ever been reading the Bible and you read crazy stories and you think like, how come that doesn't happen anymore? You read the incredible things that God does and you think to yourself like, man, that just never happens. Well, could it be that we don't do the things that the people in the Bible did, and so we don't see God do the things that he did in the Bible? It's a possibility. So there's something powerful about saying, hey, you know, Moses did it. I'm going to do it. David did it like this. I'm going to do it. Jesus did it like this. I'm going to do it. And connecting our faith with people in the Bible. And we're hoping and praying that maybe, just maybe, when we do some of the things that people in the Bible did, that God would do some of the things that he did. Moses fasted. Moses actually fasted 40 days, came down off the mountain, destroyed the Ten Commandments, went back up on the mountain, fasted another 40 days. So he really fasted 80 days, which is nuts. Don't do that. Um, Esther fasted. Daniel fasted. Esther fasted three days. Daniel fasted uh, 10 days in chapter 1, 21 days in chapter 10. David fasted in mourning after his son died. Jesus fasted 40 days in the wilderness. Before he started his ministry. Paul fasted the weekend that he was converted on the road to Damascus. These are just a few examples. We see the Bible filled. So we're not really allowed to say like, oh, well, I don't think fasting's for me. Wrong. Because followers, believers in God throughout the Bible fasted. So we can link up with that. We can say, hey, they did it. I'm going to do it. That's one reason we fast. Another reason we fast is because God told us to, which maybe should have been number one instead of number two, but God told us to. In Matthew chapter 6, the sentence starts like this, and when you fast, and he goes on to give us some instruction. He doesn't say if you fast. He says when you fast. There's the assumption that is just made when you fast. 
You're going to be fasting. So when you fast. Fasting is a spiritual exercise. It's just like Bible reading, giving, prayer. And we don't get the option to say, I'm just not into fasting. Now, we're all at different places in our spiritual journey. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, or maybe you're visiting today, and I'm talking about fasting, and you're like, oh my goodness, what cult have they brought me to? Um, That's not what I'm talking about. We're all at different places, 100%. I get that. But the one thing that we all have in common is we can't say that fasting is not for me because fasting is for everybody because God told us to. When we fast, we're telling God, I want you more than I want food. The Bible gives us a few different examples of fasting. Several people in the Bible fasted for 40 days. That's probably the most popular fast, a 40-day fast. And they, they were just going without food. For 40 days, just water, which I would not encourage you to do if you've never fasted before, because you ha- your no muscle is not any big, you know, it's not very big. You got to work that no muscle before you get to 40. Um, several people fasted 40 days, but there's also examples of three-day fasts, seven-day fasts, 10-day fasts, 21-day fasts, and here's the beauty. You don't have to do any of those. You can do a four-day fast. You can do an 11-day fast. doesn't matter. Like, there's not a There's not a handbook that says you have to do it this way. God leaves that up to you, but we fast. These are just some examples, and so why we usually kind of link up with these and and, and do it this way just because it was an example that was set for us. Now, I said it about 40 days, but I even want to go as far as to say I I would discourage almost anybody from, if you've never fasted before, jumping into a 7 or 21-day fast because it's hard. It's not easy. It's hard. You don't have a no muscle built up yet. I would encourage you to fast lunch one day. I would encourage you to fast for 24 hours. Maybe do a three-day fast over a weekend and get some small wins under your belt spiritually and build that no muscle up, okay? Now, over the next 21 days as a church, we are fasting and praying. The staff, the leadership, we're fasting and praying, okay? And I'm encouraging you to join along with us at a minimum for, for the prayer emphasis, at a minimum for praying with us, okay? But I really want to encourage you to fast with us too because I believe for many of you, it's gonna be a burning bush experience. Like we read about Moses, I, I believe that it would almost go like this. And when God saw that Jason decided to fast, he began to speak to him. I believe that. I believe that. I believe as you begin to investigate, God will reveal himself to you in new ways. Now, I'm going to talk more at the end today about um, the details of our 21-day fast, so we'll get to that in, in a few minutes. But before we get to that, I want to share with you some reasons to fast. I want to give you some reasons to fast. Um, and these are not Bible terms that I'm going to give you, okay? These are actually terms that I heard Pastor Mark Batterson give from National Community Church, and I love the way he described it, so I stole them. I'm using them today, but I'm giving credit, all right? So um, these are seven kinds of fast, seven different reasons why you can choose to fast. I'm going to give them to you, all right? Number one is a seeking fast. You can choose to do a seeking fast. Now, like I said, these are not biblical terms. You're not going to find seeking fast anywhere in the Bible, but a seeking fast is, is simply fasting to seek God with more passion and intentionality. 
You're just saying, God, I'm fasting because I just want to know you more. I want to be closer to you. I want to feel you more. And something really supernatural happens on an empty stomach. Our hearts soften. Our spirits get stronger as we seek God. So you're just saying, God, I'm not eating because I'm seeking you and I want you more than I want food. That's a seeking fast. Probably the most popular kind of fast. Definitely always a valid reason to fast, always 100% of the time, okay? Number two is a favor fast, a favor fast. A favor fast is when you are fasting for an outcome that is beyond your ability and you need supernatural provision. This is the kind of fast that we see Esther do in the book of Esther when Mordecai said you need to do something for such a time as this, you know that story, and Esther has to go before the king, but she wasn't invited, and back in that time, if you went before the king when you weren't invited, they'd kill you. And so she said, get all my friends and my family, and together, let's fast for three days and pray that just maybe God would give me favor, and when I go before the king, he won't kill me, but he'll listen to me. So in other words, God, we're not eating, because if you don't work this out, it ain't going to work. And so maybe there are some situations in your life where you're saying, I'm praying because I need favor at a job, uh, a promotion situation, something with a family member, some, like, uh, something to get into a school or, to, or whatever it is. Like, I, God, if you don't do it, it's not going to happen. And I need supernatural provision and favor on my life. I need you to do that for me. Okay? So that, that's a favor fast. Number, excuse me. Number three is a discernment fast. A discernment fast is where you're fasting for clarity of mind to hear God's voice and make a decision. I've got a decision to make. I don't know which job I should take, if we're supposed to move, if we should sell the house, if I'm supposed to, you know, go on this mission trip, whatever it is. I've got a decision that I've got to make, and I don't know what to do, and I'm fasting, God, so that you will speak to me and give me a clear answer. So what, what we're saying is, God, I want clarity, and I need, I need answers more than I want food more than I want food. That's a discernment fast. Number four is a slump fast. A slump fast is where you're fasting to change the pace of your relationship with God, to break out of a rut or a slump. Always a great reason to fast. It's not where I need to be, not where I feel like I should be. It's kind of like getting your oil changed every three months or 3,000 miles. Just need a tune-up. Just cleaning out the system, Need God to do something in my life. Want to break out of a slump or a rut. Maybe some of you here today, you're like, man, I haven't felt close to God in years. Maybe you need to fast to get out of that slump. Number five is a breakthrough fast. A breakthrough fast is where you're fasting for freedom from something stronger than you that has a hold on your life. In Matthew 17, Jesus casts out a demonic spirit and the disciples say, hey, we tried that and it didn't work. How come you tried it and it worked? And Jesus said, there are some things in life that are only conquered by prayer and fasting. That's what he said in Matthew 17. That means that there are some things in your life, some addictions, some strongholds, some things that you're bound up by that will only be broken off of your life through prayer and fasting. Not through more discipline, not through more meetings, even though all those things are great. Not through more books or counseling, even though all those things are great. And I do all of those things. God, if you don't break it off of my life, it won't break off. And so I want to be free more than I want food, is what we're saying when we do a breakthrough fast. 
Number six is a gratitude fast. A gratitude fast is where you're fasting just to say thank you to God for all that he's done for you and provided for you. You're resetting and becoming aware of all that you have. So you're just saying, God, I just want to thank you more than I want to eat. You've blessed me, and I'm thankful for that. And so, God, I'm just fasting to say thank you. And then number seven is a dream fast. A dream fast is where you're fasting to receive a fresh dream or a fresh vision or fresh purpose for your life. You say, I'm at a dead end. I don't know what I need to do. I don't know what, I, you know, I don't know. I, don't, I have no plans. I just need God to speak new life and new vision and new purpose into, into my life. And so, God, you're saying, I need a new dream more than I need food. It's a dream fast. And so as, as I was describing these seven things, if anything that I said resonated with you, then I want to encourage you to go for it. If while I was giving those seven reasons and there was something and you were like, yeah, I need that. I believe that's the Holy Spirit in your life saying, go for it. Go for it. Don't be afraid. I believe if you'll take steps to move closer to God... That I, I, I trust what James said in 4.8, that God is going to begin to move closer to you in new ways that you've never experienced before. Never experienced before. About uh, two years ago, not about two years ago, August, two years ago, up until that point in my life, I just made lots of excuses why I didn't fast. I'd done a couple like one day fast, a couple meals. But, I, you know, if, any, if it ever came up, I would just say things like, well, you know, I've never felt like God told me to, so I haven't done it, or, you know, not, what, just all sorts of different reasons that I didn't do it. And I uh, never really gave it much thought, to be honest with you. And, uh, and so, this may sound strange to you, but I just felt, during the summer, I felt very strongly, the five-year anniversary was coming up for the church uh, since I'd become pastor, and I just felt very strongly in my heart that God was leading me to do a 21-day fast. Nothing but, nothing but water, no food. I've already told you today I wouldn't recommend anybody just jump off the cliff of a 21-day fast if you're not familiar with fasting. But for two or three weeks, I just couldn't shake it. You know, when I say I felt like God spoke to me, I really just mean there was a thought or, or an idea that I just could not shake. And I would argue with God and I'd say, God, well, let's do three. You know, I think, and no matter what I did, I could not shake this feeling like if I didn't do it, I would be disobeying God. And so I, I, for two or three weeks, argued with God. I called my uncle, who's done several extended fasts, and told him what was going on. And he's like, yeah, man, that's God. You got to do it. You got to do it. So uh, I did. Started a a 21-day fast for the first time in my life. Nothing but water. I think I did, I may have done some juice or something, but nothing, no food. And without a doubt, 100%, I can stand here and tell you, it was the greatest 21 days that I have ever had in my spiritual life. I saw God answer prayers that I had never seen him answer before. I saw him do things in the church that I had never seen him do before that I had been praying about. He was speaking to me in ways, just thoughts and, and things I was writing down, sermons. I mean, just, it was like, it was like I got cleaned out and God said, I'm just going to fill you up. I'm going to fill that emptiness up with more of me. And I experienced God in a way that I had never experienced before, to the point even that after the fast was over, I almost like crashed. Like I felt like I didn't even know Jesus. Like it, those 21 days were so incredible that like non-fasting Christian Jason was like, this is lame, right? 
And several months later, in a much different way, because I just kind of out of the blue, I wake up on a Monday morning, get in the shower. Andrew was already at school. And uh, I know this is going to sound strange to you, but I just got to tell you what happened. I'm in the shower, and, um, and I'm standing there. And just clear as I'm talking to you right now, I felt like God said, I want you to do another 21-day fast. Now, let me just say this. As incredible as the first 21-day fast was, it was hard, and it was not, like, enjoyable. The benefits were enjoyable, but it was not fun. You know what I mean? So the thought of doing it again was like, you know, I mean, it's, I like what I get from it, but, oh, my gosh, 21 days, you know, especially at the start, you're looking and you're thinking, that's a long time, you know, and it is a long time. So I'm standing there in the shower, and I just, out of the blue, I just felt like God said, I want you to do another 21-day fast. And I was like, okay. I had the confidence under my belt. My no muscle was at a size that I felt like, hey, I've done it before. I can do it again. I get out of the shower. I text Andrew, and I said, don't buy anything at the grocery store for me. I'm doing a 21-day fast. My awesome wife's like, awesome, go for it. And I did it again, 21 days, no food. I'm not telling you this to brag about me at all. What I'm telling you is that, again, over those 21 days, I experienced God in a way that I had never experienced him ever in my life in my life. In times when I was supposed to be eating, I would go out on my front porch and I would read and I would pray and I would do some writing. In the mornings, instead of eating breakfast, I would do some reading and praying and writing. I would get up for, uh, or I would, instead of going out for lunch, I would come in the sanctuary and I would pray down in the altars. And, and something happened over those 42 days at separate times that God changed my life. And, and a lot of things happened, but I can tell you one thing that happened for sure is I became the president of the fasting fan club <laughs> to the point where I feel like if you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to experience him on an empty stomach at some point in your life. Because once you do, you'll never go back. You'll never go back. Since that time, I've done some three days and some, some five days and, and different things. Just because I'm, I mean, pardon the pun here, but I'm hungry for God. I'm just hungry for God. There are just times where I just feel like, God, I need to hear from you again. I just, I'm going to stop eating for a while. And here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that God's up in heaven saying like, well, if you don't fast, I don't love you. I'm not saying that I've got some trick where I, you know, got on a string and he does what I want him to do. No, actually, it's probably the opposite. I start out fasting, praying about stuff. And usually by the time I'm done fasting, I'm not even praying about the stuff I started out praying about because it's not what God wanted for my life. And I'm usually praying about other things he has led me to begin to pray about. He changes me, changes you. And so I'm not talking about some religious, like, if you don't do this, you're in trouble. No. You get to choose. But if you do it, it's life-changing. It's absolutely life-changing. And I know that there are several people, you know, you've even talked to me, you got medical problems. I'm not a doctor. I mean, don't do anything stupid. But I would encourage you to press your faith a little bit. Encourage you to press your faith a little bit and just see what God would do. You know, uh, we got... 
some people, you know, Meredith on staff, she's pregnant. We're starting this 21-day fast, and she's like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, Meredith, you're pregnant. Please don't do anything stupid, you know. But just, just trust God and, and, and figure out some variations. You get to decide, okay? There's no police. Nobody's knocking on your door, checking your pantry at night, you know. We're not sending the staff like, what are you eating? Like, it's up to you. It's up to you. If you, if you try to do 21 days or three days and you only make it two, don't let the devil condemn you. Don't let the devil tell you you're a failure. Just thank God and praise God you made it 48 hours because you'd never done 48 hours before. There have been several times that I decided I was going to do a seven-day fast and I quit on day four. It's crazy how the devil will kind of talk to me and be like, you're a failure. I just fasted four days, but I'm thinking I'm such a failure. Don't buy into that. Don't believe that. Don't believe that. Don't believe it. So, those are my experiences. And I've been giddy just thinking about another 21 days and what God might do. So here's what we're doing as a church, okay? A lot of you guys have been asking. Here's what we're doing as a church. We didn't do this last year. I don't know why we didn't do it. We just didn't do it. But before that, we did it. January and August, we do 21 days of prayer and fasting. So starting tomorrow, some people started today, but starting tomorrow, we're going to start 21 days of a mix between a Daniel fast and a full fast. Now, when I say Daniel fast, it's this biblical version of fasting that we get from the book of Daniel. And here's, I mean, there's a lot we could say about it, but here's the summary, okay? Daniel did not eat any choice foods, meat, or drink. I'm describing, this is my interpretation, so please don't put this on anybody else. I define choice foods as the really good foods that I like to eat. <laughs> okay? Meat, drink any wine. But then also in Daniel chapter 10, it tells us that he only ate fruits and vegetables. So in essence, a Daniel fast is fruits, vegetables, potatoes, and whole grains. If it grows out of the ground, you can eat it without doctoring it up with other stuff. If it grows out of the ground, you can eat it. Okay? That means even coffee, if you drink it black, coffee bean, all right? If you want to do that, you can do that, okay? Somebody's like, hey, man, I just felt God. Um, so so that's, uh, that's, that's the 21 days, okay? But for six of those 21 days, we're going to push you a little bit. We're going to stretch you a little bit, and we're going to challenge you, encourage you to do a full fast. So on the Wednesdays, of the 21 days, we're encouraging everyone who can participate, would like to participate, to do a full fast. Nothing but water and a lot of big red gum because your breast stinks, all right? But nothing but water on that full fast, okay? And then, so that's three of the, of the 21 days. And then we're going to really stretch some of you guys because the last three days of the fast, we're going to encourage you to do a full fast back to back to back. Don't get intimidated. You trust God, but I got a feeling that if you make it 18 days, your faith's going to be so sky high, you're going to be like, all right, let's do three. I'm down, okay? Now, so on your way out today, you, we have one of these calendars. If you want to participate with us, I think we printed one per household, I think is what we printed. So take one of these with you, put it on the fridge, and it lays everything out for you. So, you know, Monday, it says Daniel Fast, Tuesday, Daniel Fast, Wednesday, Full Fast, Thursday, Daniel Fast, just 
so on and so forth. You can follow the calendar. And that's what we are suggesting and encouraging you to do that we're doing as a church together. This is what the staff is following uh, together. We're doing this, okay? Does that make sense? So make sure you get a calendar when you leave today. But fasting is not just about no food. It's also about spending more time with God, okay? Trust me when I tell you, if you've never fasted before, your days will seem longer because you're hungry. They just, if you don't feel like you have enough time in the day, fast. It lasts forever, okay? You'll be sitting at your office and you're like, it's got to be like 1230. It's like 9.15, okay? It just happens, okay? And so we want to take advantage of that time, even if you're Daniel fasting. You know, maybe you pack a little lunch, you eat at your desk or whatever it is to spend more time with God. We want God to replace the emptiness of, in the stomach with more of him. And so also as you leave today, if you'd like to participate, we have a Bible reading plan that we would like for you to take with you. I'm really excited about this. This was our staff's idea. The team came up with this, and I thought it was so brilliant because everybody's kind of at a different place. And so we call this our 5-15-30 reading plan. And what we did is we broke down scriptures in five minutes, 15 minutes, and 30-minute segments. So if you say, I can only spend five minutes with God today, then on the day of the month that, th- that it is, you read the five-minute scriptures. So just as an example, tomorrow you'd read Psalm 1 and Proverbs 1, 1 1 through 9. Five minutes we got. Estimate, five minutes we got. But let's say you want to spend 15 minutes in the Bible. You would read Psalm 1, Proverbs 1, 1 through 9, and Genesis 1 through 3 by the 15. Let's say you wanted to spend 30 minutes in God. You would read all three sets. And if you were to read all three sets for a year, you'd read the Bible through in a year. It's a little bit of old, a little bit of new, a little bit of Psalms, a little bit of Proverbs, okay? And... We give you the chance on Saturday and Sunday to take a break or to catch up because all my reading plans always fall behind on the weekends because I just don't read the Bible on Saturday and Sunday. I don't know. So we jammed it into Monday through Friday. So if you follow this, then all of us together are reading together. And this is not just for the fast. We're going to start providing these the first of every month. You can take these and we can read the Bible through together as a church. Okay. So as you leave, if you'd like to participate, you don't have to fast to take one of these, but everybody can have one of these. All right. So you got your calendar and you got your Bible reading plan, but that's not all, okay? We also want to take some opportunity over the next 21 days to come together, join together, have our faith be built together. So on the Wednesday nights of the 21 days, the next Wednesday nights, that would be the 12th, the 19th, and the 26th of August, we're going to have prayer and worship here at the church on Wednesday nights at 6.30 for an hour, 6.30 to 7.30 John and the team will lead us in a song or two, and then we're going to spend time praying together just as a time, because you've gone all day, if you followed the calendar, you've gone all day without eating, you're probably feeling weak, and your faith's going to get lifted because you're praying and you're worshiping together with your church family on those Wednesday nights. But one more thing, on the last night, August the 30th, Sunday night, we're ending the 21 days of prayer and fasting with a night of worship. We're coming back together on Sunday night, and John and the team are going to lead us that night in worship. We're going to pray together. It's going to be a powerful, powerful time. So over these next 21 days, we are wanting to pump steroids into our spirituality, close the distance between us and God, and believe God to do incredible things, to see God do incredible things. And just so you know, I'll tell you this, just so you know, for me, for the church, as the pastor of the church and kind of for the church, 
these 21 days for me are a breakthrough fast for us. As we work together, to, as we do this together as a church, I'm praying that God would break through in this church and break us through some barriers that we've been at for a long time, break us through some places that we're stuck at, even invisible things in our church that we can't seem to overcome, that this would be a breakthrough fast for us. So my expectations are sky high of what God's going to do for us corporately as we do this together. But for me personally, it's a seeking fast. For me personally, it's a dream fast. Lots of different reasons that I'm doing it. And I want to encourage you to join along with me in that, okay? You're as close to God as you want to be. You determine the distance. You determine the distance. What would happen in your life if you committed the next 21 days to God? What could happen? If you committed the next 21 days to God, let's pray.